Hi, my name is Cindy. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from anxiety, control, and abuse. My story is one of a search for identity. Growing up, I had everything I needed. I went to decent schools, I had loving parents, we went to church on Sundays, and we had big holiday gatherings with our extended family. And when it came to God, my parents were divided. I would describe my mom as religious and my dad as disengaged. To me, church was another chore that didn't have much meaning, and God was a distant ideal that felt irrelevant at times. So while I was trying to figure out who I was without a whole lot of guidance, the opinions around me started to influence what I believed about myself. I have a vivid memory from first grade of a girl coming up to me after recess saying, you're ugly, do you know that? I was stunned and crushed. But as a seven-year-old little girl, I really didn't think that she would lie to me. Her words stuck with me and became a defining truth of my identity. In the face of what we would call bullying today, I found excelling at school to be the ultimate cover-up. While my brother was getting suspended for fighting, it was easy for me to fly under the radar in our house with a good report card while I turned to drugs and alcohol on the side. At the same time, I developed an all-consuming eating disorder that would dictate my life well into college. I learned to manage the narrative at home and convinced everyone at school that I didn't care what they said or did by refusing to show any emotion. In college, insecurity continued to take over. I thought that if I were thinner, people would like me. If I dated someone, I would feel whole. If I could be part of every organization, I would be worthy. If I could keep up with the party, I would be accepted, but I never felt like enough. And when a guy I liked asked me out, I was excited. But after our date, he raped me. And I could control that narrative too, by covering it up, that I didn't have to admit that it happened. I got up, got out, and got to class on time that morning. And ironically, all of these things I thought I had control over were just controlling me. I was exhausted. I don't even think I truly realized that anything was wrong. I knew throwing up after eating or seeing how long I could go without food wasn't normal. It just became a normal part of how I lived. And the world has a funny way of convincing you that nothing is wrong sometimes. In the Gospel of John, there's a group of believers who tell Jesus they don't think their lives are really that bad. And Jesus says to them in John 8, 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. After college, I jumped into the tourism industry and spent several years traveling and living all over the world. I started to think I had it all together. My eating disorder was behind me. Backpacker culture was super fun, and I could easily move from place to place without missing deep relationships. I defined myself by where I was and what I was doing, and I created my own sense of who God was, one who didn't know me personally, but would look out for me as long as I was a good person. My lifestyle came to a halt when my brother was diagnosed with cancer. I went home to be a caregiver to him and to support my family. And my definition of a pretty good God was shattered through the next year of living in the hospital and watching him go through treatment. 
And after that year was up, I held him in my arms as he died at 22 years old. At that point, my definition of God went from karmic rewarder to someone that hated me. And if I'm being honest, that feeling was quite mutual. Losing my brother, along with any semblance of faith, sent me on the run again back into traveling. I coped with anything that made me numb and soon found myself stuck in an abusive and codependent relationship, unsure of where to go. But the Lord stirred my heart to ask for help in a local church. After the service, when they always say, we're here to pray with you, I walked up and said, I need help. I was so lost and alone, I couldn't even articulate what was wrong. But I felt like I had hit a wall at 100 miles per hour. And if my broken relationship was the car that hit the wall, my brother's death were the keys to it. The real problem, though, was how I was living my life. I started to learn more about God through sermons and reading the Bible, but I was still entangled in a relationship that I was afraid to get out of. And I began praying through Colossians 1, 9 through 14 every day, which says we are to ask for the knowledge of God's will instead of our own and defines us as children of God. Not too long after, this little church I had been taking baby steps at started Regen, and I joined the inaugural group. My relationship dissolved in a complete dumpster fire of sin on all sides, and I used every manipulative tactic I knew to fight to keep it. But I've come to realize that I was never meant to win that war. Even in the mess of my sin and grief and losing everything I had at once, God gave me safe places to turn. And as I began giving my life over to him, he radically started to change it. I kept showing up at Regen because honestly it felt like the right thing to do. Like I could earn my way into a better life. But the first three steps teach or reteach us that we cannot earn or lose God's love. And I will admit, I'm still learning this over and over again. When I first went through Regen, I had zero understanding of the gospel. All of my relentless striving for grades, image, and acceptance proved I just had no understanding of Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I still need to hear the gospel for myself every single day. I am not and cannot be perfect. I am a sinner, and I cannot earn God's love and acceptance no matter how much of myself I give. Jesus alone paid for my sin on the cross, and only through this act of true love can I have a relationship with God. Inventory forced me to admit that harm not only happened to me, but it altered my own thoughts and actions, leading me to sin. We often have a really narrow definition of addiction in terms of drugs, alcohol, sometimes sex, but there are so many deeply seated patterns of behavior like pride and control. And we don't have to wait for those patterns to destroy our lives to see them as indicators that we need to dig in and find out where they're coming from. Don't be afraid of inventory. Confession has been huge for me and continues today to reveal parts of myself that need the healing work only Jesus can do. It wasn't about 
just about the sin I had committed, which, believe me, was plentiful. But I finally said out loud that over my life, I had been bullied, raped, abused, and experienced devastating loss. And until I could admit those things out loud, there was no chance to heal from that. There's so much freedom in living in the light. Jesus says it best in John 8, 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I didn't think these things could be redeemed, but I didn't know or understand how powerful Jesus is. He is magnificent. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus changed my life, not me, not Regen, Jesus. I wish you could have seen that little girl I talked about in the beginning, the one who defined herself by what other people said and believed God hated her, or who she was six years ago in the throes of abuse and the consequences of her own manipulation, or who I was last year, still working, even struggling to come to terms with my past while learning how to deal with significant life changes all around me in healthy ways. A still different woman stands before you today because I continue to be redeemed by a patient and loving God who had a plan since the beginning of time for me to have a relationship with him. My sin, past, present, and future, is on the cross with Jesus, and I have been set free. Sin and temptation are still a part of my life, but I continually give them over to God through inventory, confession, and repentance. And today... I'm better at recognizing my self-narratives for what they are. Fear of rejection is still a part of my life, but I'm focused on learning how to build and maintain close relationships. And I know I've at least partially succeeded because of how meaningful the friendships I have here are to me. And just like any physically harmful behavior, I have to be acutely aware of when I'm starting to control food in any way. But I'm better equipped to identify the temptation, and by God's grace, Food hasn't dominated my thoughts in over four years. I don't blame you if you don't believe how radical this change has been for me or don't understand what I'm talking about, but I will encourage you, even challenge you, to see for yourself what God will do if you surrender your life to him. And if you're that person who's just hit the wall at 100 miles per hour and you don't know what to do, ask for help. There are so many people here today who are ready to listen. In my old life, I was always looking for the next mountaintop, the highs of life. Living my life around faithfulness to God is a lot harder, in all honesty, as in I can't just drink away pain for a few hours of relief. It's not an option anymore. But giving my pain to God and trusting that his way is better gives me peace beyond any words. My name is Cindy. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from anxiety, control, and abuse. I am defined by who God says I am, his creation, his masterpiece, his daughter, his, and to him be all the glory.